listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am one of your hosts, Clark Rockfall, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. And I'm joined by... And I am Swapan on the Kumar. I am ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. And And thank you to everyone who is listening, uh, listening, downloading, and rating and reviewing via your favorite podcast player, as well as everyone that's listening online via the ACB Media Network. As always, you can find out more information about the American Council of the Blind by visiting our website, at acb.org, as well as information about our 2023 annual conference and convention, which will be held in Schaumburg, Illinois, something close to the topic we're discussing here today. Um, And information about that convention is available at acbconvention.org. Of course, if you have any questions, you can always email Swatha and me at advocacy at acb.org. Well, Swatha, I teased a little bit that our topic of conversation today is coming from uh, near the Windy City. Uh, Why don't you share, folks, what we are talking about on this podcast? Yeah, so Clark mentioned Sean Burke, but um, we are going to be a little bit um, outside of that area, but um, we are talking today about the recent accessible industries Accessible pedestrian signals on um, court case and lawsuit and um, decision um, regarding the regarding the suit. Um, and here to talk, talk with us is Madeline Reichman from the Disabilities Advocates. Um, she's an attorney there, and um, we're on the case um, with the. And a, and a council. Um, hi, Madeline, how are you? Hi, Swatha. Hi, Clark. Um, I'm doing well. How are both of you? Doing well. Doing very well. And thank you so much for joining us today, Madeline. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm, uh, I'd never been on a podcast before. So, yeah, this was great. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. This was dream come true. <laughs> so Madeline, can you give a, a quick overview of what exactly we are talking about today? So disability rights advocates and working with uh, the ACB members from uh, the Chicago land area are involved in some legal advocacy related to pedestrian and environmental access. Sure. Um, yeah, so, A few years back, um, around 2019, we filed a lawsuit against the city of Chicago for its failure to install accessible pedestrian signals at its um, signalized intersections. Um, So Chicago touts itself on being a very walkable city, yet 99% of its intersections um, lack accessible pedestrian signals. Um, So unfortunately, Chicago 
refused to budge even after years of advocacy for more APS. Um, and it, at a certain point, it became clear that they weren't going to um, take more action on their own. So we sued them for violations of the ADA and Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act. And um, we're excited to report that we recently won a great decision. Um, so the court ruled that Chicago is liable for violating the ADA and Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act um, for its failure to install more APS at its um, signalized intersections. Um, so that decision came down at the end of March and that's where we are today. Madeline, let me stop you right there. Um, you're saying accessible pedestrian signals, but really what's the what's the problem here? I have family in Chicago. There are plenty of signalized intersections where the there are traffic lights for cars and there's the the button in the walk and don't walk sign for pedestrians. So where where's the problem in that? Yeah, so um, the problem is that currently Chicago's um, pedestrian signals only provide visual walk or don't walk information. So um, there are uh, a few APS throughout the city, but for um, the majority, um, those signals don't have any audible indications of when it's time and safe and legal to cross the intersection, and they also don't have tactile indications for when to do so. Um, so because of this failure to include audible and tactile uh, crosswalk uh, crossing information, blind and low vision pedestrians end up having no choice but to rely on audio cues for when it's safe and legal to cross. Um, and this becomes particularly difficult in Chicago in particular because Chicago has a very high degree of environmental noise that can mask um, traffic sounds. Um, so specifically, Chicago has this outdoor elevated L train system, um, which is very loud and can, um, as I said, mask out other signals like uh traffic sounds. Um, and there are other unique factors in the city too, like harsh weather, wind, um, construction, um, you know, lots of other sources of noise that make it hard to rely solely on traffic sounds um, to judge when to cross the street. All right, so um, yeah, very important for APS in, in, in loud environment. Um, you, your firm, um, DRA, and um, Illinois Council of Blind um, and ACV of Metropolitan Chicago um, filed or got involved. Um, how did you, how'd you all get involved and how did you decide to do what you decided to go to a lawsuit? Sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so, um, members of the ACB of Metropolitan Chicago and other blind and low vision 
uh, pedestrians who live in Chicago or visit Chicago had, um, over the course of about 10 years or so, had repeatedly contacted the city um, with requests for more accessible pedestrian signals. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had been advocating for years. Um, the city had several forums where they met with blind residents of the city um, and um, this had just been going on for for a long time where and unfortunately Chicago um, while it did make verbal commitments to install more APS it really dragged its feet on installing the APS um, the accessible pedestrian signals that it promised it would Um, So Chicago even applied for federal funding in about 2013 to um, make APS installations. Um, It published uh, an APS pilot project to install 50 APS in the downtown loop area. Um, And it revised its policies to supposedly require APS installation when um, intersections are were newly signalized or when their uh, pedestrian signals were replaced. Um, but for those projects, they never had a deadline. Um, they failed to comply with their own expectations for how many would be installed. And um, so we became involved when it became clear that Chicago would just continue dragging its feet without any external pressure um, from the judicial system to do more. And um, DRA had been involved with a similar lawsuit against the city of New York for their failure to make their uh, pedestrian signals accessible. Um, And we significantly successfully litigated that case as well. So that's um, sort of where we came in here. So why or what was the year approach? approach? Like, did you, um, besides the lawsuit, are there other things Yeah, so I can't speak too much to um, the deliberations behind the filing of the suit, um, given that that involves some privileged information, but um, we we basically determined that you know this was really the best way to go, um, given the the city's history of reneging on its um, promises and you know failures to do what it said it was going to do. And in that vein, Madeline you know, the, the folks from Metro Chicago, ACB and otherwise, uh, this is advocacy work going on for more than 10 years. And they got some, some promises and commitments from the city along the way, correct? They, yeah, they did. So um, as I stated previously, Chicago came out with this pilot project. Um, they, you know, purported to change their policies, but the pace with which they actually, you know, began installing APS pursuant to these promises was just extremely slow and often uh, didn't come at all. 
So. But it, more than 10 years, right? They must have had hundreds or even thousands of accessible pedestrian signals throughout the city, right? Um, so at, at, as of today, there are still um, no more than 30 accessible pedestrian signals in the city. Um, so it's a, a truly abysmal number of um, of signals throughout the city. And yeah, as you say, this is over the course of 10 years. Um, so it's really remarkable, you know, how little progress they made, you know, by contrast, when we sued um, New York City, they had installed about 5% of their pedestrian signals um, had APS. So, you know, here in Chicago, the number has been consistently at or below 1%. And Chicago has, uh, I'm rounding here, but roughly 2,800 uh, signalized uh, traffic intersections, and you're saying 30, 30 accessible pedestrian signals. So they're, they've cleared that 1% threshold now. Yes, although I will um, just clarify that um, there is a dispute as to the precise number of APS in the city. Um, and that is partly because the, the city hasn't been very transparent um, throughout the course of the litigation. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, you know, accepting the city's claim. So Chicago claims there are 30. Um, and even if that is true, it's still, as you say, 30 out of 2,800. It's, you know, no greater than 1%. Um And, you know, this is also especially significant given, you know, while 2,800 is, you know, it's a decent number, um, it's relatively speaking a much smaller number than the number of intersections in a city like New York, for example. Um, So, you know, there really is no excuse for their failure to install more and for their having moved so slowly. And this is this is after more than a decade of advocacy, more than a decade of attempting to work collaboratively with the city. Um, so it's it's understandable uh, why this legal route uh, was was pursued by the the advocates in Chicago. Yeah, and it's it's also interesting. Um, so. You know, once the lawsuit was filed, um, the city has been very aggressively defending the lawsuit. Um, So, you know, they really fought um, every request we've made of the court and they've fought very hard. Um, It it was very clear that they had no intention of doing anything um, on their own. So um, last year, um, there was a, a, a court decision that was kind of looked on as favorable from um, advocate side um, that the case was certified as a class action suit. Um, can you say what, what that, what that is? Sure, yeah. So um, in essence, um, 
this decision, what it did was permit the named plaintiffs in the lawsuit to and counsel to represent a class of all blind and low vision pedestrians who use Chicago's signalized pedestrian intersections. Um, so this is significant because it means that uh, we now have the ability to negotiate for systemic relief on behalf of the whole class. Um, so, you know, normally when you bring a lawsuit, you can only seek relief on behalf of the named plaintiffs. Um, so in, in this case, that would have been um, three individuals and um, the ACB of Metropolitan Chicago. But now we have authority to seek relief on the entire class's behalf. Um, and, you know, Class certification is also really significant in that it forces the sued party to recognize just how um, the, the extent of the problem and just how many people their failure to provide accessibility affects. Um, so that was a very significant victory in the case last year. So we, so the question of scope, like, from the three named plaintiffs to the um, entire city of Chicago um, blind residents. Um, and can you say more about, about the PR of that? Like, why does that look good for um, just how the case went otherwise? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not sure I understand the question. I'm sorry, so um, it's a question of scope. Like, so we have the scope being widened to um, include like all of the all of the, all of the Chicago. Um, why like why was that good for like us and for like the uh, like looking at it as a view as a view? Okay, yeah. I mean, so like I said, it it really enables us to to seek systemic relief. Um, it also allows, I, I mean, I would say um, the city to see that, you know, the class is all moving together and have similar interests. Um, in, in this case too, this was really significant um, because Chicago had really attacked the ACB of Metropolitan Chicago's adequacy as a class representative. And so if they had been able to prevent a ACBMC from acting as a class representative, that could have potentially made it trickier in future lawsuits for ACB affiliates to act as class representatives in other lawsuits. Um, so, you know, what, Thankfully, the, the court denied their, um, the city's arguments um, and affirmed the ACBMC's ability to act as a class representative. I, I'm not sure if that answers your question. I, I hope it does. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, it's a lot for this how. Bacon's how important 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 case is. So thank you. And Madeline, so that's that's specific to this case with Chicago, but the fact that it um, the the fact that class action status was granted, do you imagine this will have ripple effects more broadly? Um, 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is like we're two for two now, right? And but this one has class action status. New New York didn't have class action status, right? Um, I, you know, I wasn't actually on the New York City case, so um, I would have to double check on that and and get back to you. Um, but yeah, the fact that um, a class was certified in the Chicago APS case provides precedent for other class actions to be brought um, around the country against other municipalities um, for their failure to make their pedestrian signals accessible. Um, so this really just, you know, will only help future lawsuits in, in the same subject matter. And so Madeline, what are the what are the next steps in this process? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, the, the court ruled that Chicago is in violation of the ADA right now for failing to install more APS. Um, however, it did not specifically say how many APS Chicago needs to install to come into compliance with the ADA or specifically when it has to do so or how long it has to do so. So currently, we are seeking to enter into a settlement agreement with Chicago for our robust remedial plan. And our goal is to use the remedial plan in the New York City APS litigation as a floor. Mm. Um, so we are hopeful that the case will settle. We think that this case should settle. Um, but there's also a chance that we won't be able to come to a mutually agreeable resolution with Chicago. And so if that happens, then we're going to have to litigate um, for a remedial order. So that will essentially mean going to a, a mini trial on the question of how many APS Chicago needs to install, how long it has to make those installations, um, and other details like um, the order in which they will um, install APS around the city, um, what they'll have to do to maintain those APS units, um, how they'll have to engage the community um, while implementing their remedial order. And so, you know, if we do go to a mini trial on this issue, then we'll end, we'll um, likely end up having to wait for the judge to issue a second order um, outlining all of these details for Chicago. But we are hopeful that we won't have to go that route and that we'll come to an agreement, um, you know, sooner than we would get an order if we had to go to a trial. So, Madeline, I, I see a press release or I read a press release from the city of Chicago on the, the anniversary of the ADA, July 26, 2019, where the city committed to install around 100 accessible pedestrian signals. Would that be sufficient as a remediation plan for the city of Chicago? So, um, no, it, it would not. Um, so, like, like I said, the court did not comment very directly on the number of APS that must be installed, but um, even 100 out of 28, 800 intersections 
Um, I don't have a calculator with me right now, so I, I can't do the math, but um, I think, you know, that really wouldn't be much higher than the percentage they have now. Um, so I, I think it's clear that, you know, although the court didn't order a specific number or a specific percentage, that even 100 out of um, 2,800 intersections would not be enough to grant meaningful access um, to the pedestrian network for blind and low vision pedestrians. And so, like, kind of moving on to future future suits. What would this a future um city? What would this case um kind of mean or signify for smaller cities like you know LA or um you know, even even Washington, Washington D.C. Like, what what would how does that impact their uh, ability or their willingness to commit to installing APSs? Yeah. So um. The Chicago decision uh, sends a clear message to other localities around the country that they must make their pedestrian signals accessible um, to comply with the ADA and that they must keep their blind and low vision pedestrians as safe as they do sighted pedestrians. Um, so, you know, while this decision is Chicago specific, it can be used by other courts around the country to order other localities um, to uh, install more APS. And this decision, the Chicago's case in particular, you know, it should be a particular um, call to action for other cities, given that the DOJ intervened in in the case here in Chicago to argue that the ADA um, unequivocally requires APS at um, pedestrian intersections. Um, so this is a really significant update that, you know, other, other cities should be aware of that the U.S. Department of Justice views this as essential to keeping in compliance with the ADA. And certainly with all of the, the federal funding and federal dollars that are uh, related to transportation and infrastructure um, that have been flowing for the, the past year and will continue to flow, uh, it's more important than ever that states and local governments have this ruling as well as, as you stated, um, that clear, clear signal from the Department of Justice that equal access to the pedestrian infrastructure is, is so critical for everyone, including people who are blind and low vision. Yes, of course. And um, yeah, we, we think it's really important that they intervened in this case. Um, in New York, they had the DOJ sort of intervened once we had gotten to the remedial stage, but here they took a very clear stand right from the very beginning of the case that, you know, this is what the ADA requires. Absolutely. And Madeline Reichman, uh, attorney with Disability Rights Advocates or DRA, thank you so much for joining us to talk about uh, the recent, and I'll call it a successful court ruling in federal court regarding the 
uh, the installation and availability of accessible pedestrian signals in the city of Chicago. Uh, of course, this is only one aspect of uh, this, this advocacy effort. And Swatha, why don't you tease for the folks the next conversation that we'll have related to this topic? Yeah, so this was part one of our, like we're doing a two-part two podcast. I think we've had the advocates involved, so folks from Illinois, folks on the ground. So stay tuned, guys. And Madeline, if folks want to contact uh, disability rights advocates or reach out and learn more about the organization, what's the best way to do that? Um, yeah, so I, I would say that the... the um, Best way would probably be to send us an email or give us a call. Um, so we can be reached at info at dralegal.org. Um, and I will, sorry, if you'll give me a moment, I'll need to look up our, our phone number. Um, we can be reached by phone at 510-665-8644. We will sure include that in the show notes. So, thank you. Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you both. And thank you everyone to listening to part one of this conversation about accessible pedestrian signals in the city of Chicago. Um, as always, if you have advocacy issues that you're working on or that you'd like to share with ACB, please email us at advocacy at acb.org. And like our folks from Chicago, and like we do here at the national office, we hope that all of you keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org. Thank you.